Do you know what makes you sick and overweight? It's not fat. The answer is sugar. And well, he's not wrong. Sugar is something that we all know and love. It's been an integral part of our diet for centuries. This sweet substance was once used as a medicine, but now is turning into one of our most threatening killers. Sugar is found in almost every household, in almost every pantry item. But this was once a good reserved only for royalty. The economic, political, and social landscape have all changed due to this sweet substance. So let's go back in time and see what we can learn about the history of sugar. Throughout ancient history, the primary sweetener was honey. However, around 8,000 BCE, the people of New Guinea found tall grass. And when they picked the grass, they found cane. And when they chewed the cane, there was a burst of sweetness. There are so many myths and legends surrounding sugar. In one, the first man makes love to a stalk of cane, yielding the human race. In another, sugar sprouted a man and a woman who founded the human race. In any case, we need sugar for the founding of the human race. As maritime trade started to grow, sugar was transported to new locations. Around the 4th century in India, sugarcane juice was processed into semi-solid sweeteners. Sugar was used as a medicine. And in 510 BC, Emperor Darius of Persia invaded India, where he found the reed which gives the honey without the bees. He was obsessed. Persian rulers tried to keep sugar refinement a secret so that it could be exported at enormous profits. Eventually, the Arab Empire expanded sugar production by using the Persian Kanat and the Spanish water wheel. The Arabs perfected sugar refinement and turned it into an industry, a brutal industry, where the people who would work the fields were the lowest of the low, mostly Eastern European prisoners of war. So sugar was introduced to Europeans during the Crusades. According to a scholar at the time, Albert Van Achen, it was on the sweet tasting sugar that people sustained themselves during the sieges. And as you can imagine, the Europeans became enamored with sugar, as well as other spices. I mean, their diets were very bland, as bland as it gets. Bread, porridge, and maybe meat, if you're lucky. So people wanted sugar, but there was very little supply because it was a long and treacherous journey for merchants to take sugar all the way up to Europe. The production of the sugar industry was strong in the Mediterranean basin under various Muslim empires. From there, sugar traveled to the Venetian markets, and from there, it traveled to the European courts. So the rarity of sugar made it expensive, and having it was a sign of power. Royals would make these sugar sculptures, like ice sculptures, up to six feet high. Sugar was as valuable as precious gems. I mean, it was literally known as the white gold. So Spain and Portugal were eager to grow their own sugar, and I mean, as rising Catholic powers, they didn't really want to buy from their Muslim counterparts. So they explored where they could grow sugar, and they settled on Madeira and the Canary Islands in the Atlantic. Thing is, these islands are very conveniently located between Europe and Sub-Saharan Africa, so Portuguese sugar traders began the brutal slave trade that would continue on for centuries.
Fast forward to 1492, when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. On his second voyage to the Americas, he brought sugarcane because the climate was ideal for production. Quickly, the European empires divided up and colonized the new land. They pushed for the mass production of sugar, and it wasn't pretty. Just like on the Canary Islands, the labor was primarily slaves. Approximately between 10 to 12 million enslaved Africans were transported across the Atlantic. The passage itself was brutal, as men, women, and children were stuffed to live tightly together within their own feces. If somehow they didn't die on the passage, things just got worse. The sugar plantations were barbaric. Working on a sugar plantation meant doing hard labor in the sun for up to 18 hours a day. Most slaves only survived seven to nine years. And although this sounds horrible, let's go back to Europe for a second. As more sugarcane was planted, the price of the product fell. As the price of the product fell, the demand increased. Sugar began to change from being a luxury spice to being a staple found in most middle-class homes, and eventually even a staple for the poor. Not without taking its karma out on European royals. A French ambassador in 1597 noted the ghastly appearance of Queen Elizabeth. And it was probably due to the fact that she would use way too much raw sugar in her tea. As for her face, it appears to be very aged, as it is long and thin, and her teeth appear to be yellow and unequal. On the left side, less than on the right, many of them are missing, so that one cannot understand when she speaks too quickly. The Sun King, Louis XIV, suffered from toothaches from quite early on in his life, and it was made worse by the endless supply of sugared fruit and sweet cakes. He actually had such bad cavities that his teeth ended up falling out and he had to eat through a straw. Normally, it had been blacksmiths responsible for pulling out teeth. However, during Louis XIV's reign, professional dentists came into picture. It was all to help the Sun King with his endless amount of cavities. So something interesting to note is that most European royals at the time didn't smile in their portraits because supposedly it was seen as vulgar. In reality though, I think it had to do with the fact that so many of them were stuffing their faces full of sugar and so their teeth were falling out. And well, that wouldn't make for a very lovely picture. So most of them shut their mouth. But let's not forget that without slavery, sugar would have never become readily available. The reasons why there's a higher population of black people in places like Brazil and the Caribbean is because enslaved Africans were bought and sold in the name of sugar. Sugar plantations created strict socioeconomic structures that we have yet to get rid of in the Americas. But at the same time, it pointed to changing socioeconomic structures in Europe. In England, sugar became a necessity for the British working class because it was high in calories and it gave you bursts of energy, which you would definitely need for your long shifts at the factory. So we see that sugar in tea actually became a staple for the English. Everybody had the opportunity to not only eat sugar, but drink it, which is kind of insane because that would have been impossible just a few centuries before. Eventually though, people started to oppose slavery and therefore they started to boycott sugar. 
and other cash crops. This forced the British to abolish slavery in 1833. And this was about also when sugar started to be mass-produced using other forms of cheap labor, such as Indian indentured servants. So sugar helped and was helped by industrialization. Sugar mixed in with coffee and tea kept workers awake for their very long shifts. And the mass production of sugar meant that it could be added to almost all foods. We're talking bread, jam, ketchup, sugar, just like tobacco, another cash crop from back in the day. They're both highly addictive. So think about what that means. Sugar was added to more cheap products, and then the people who would eat those cheap products would become addicted and want to buy more of those cheap products. So that's why sugar is found in almost every processed food. The increase of sugar intake meant that sugar went from being a medicine to start to threaten one's health. That's when we have the increase of tooth decay, diabetes, and other similar diseases. Sugar in excess started to become one of our most threatening killers. So honestly, the history of sugar is fascinating. We're talking about centuries of sugar being refined and transformed into something that's almost completely unrecognizable from what it had once been. The history of sugar points to mass migrations. The industry set up the rise, the fall of empires and set the foundation to society. We're talking about not only dietary changes, but socioeconomic ones, how a luxury good goes to be an everyday food for even the poorest of the poor, which is just insane. So yeah, I hope you decide to ponder on the legacy of sugar the next time you decide to have a bit of chocolate.